Acts 13, 44 through 52. Luke writes. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Here ends the reading of the word of God. Let us go to God in prayer. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, last week when we left off Paul and Barnabas, they were in the church in Antioch, and they had just been called and ordained by the Spirit of God to be sent out as the first missionaries to go preach the gospel and plant churches. And since that time, what has happened, we see in chapter 13, they first went to Cyprus and they took John Mark along with them, who was from Jerusalem, who would be the one who writes the gospel of Mark. And then they would head to Antioch and Pisidia which is where they are today. Not the same Antioch they came from, but Antioch in Pisidia, which is in Greece. And there upon their arrival, Paul and Barnabas went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and they were sitting in the synagogue when Paul was called upon to preach. So Paul comes up and he begins preaching the word of God, pointing to the texts in the Old Testament from the prophets pointing to the Messiah that would be found in Jesus the Christ. There was such clamor and praise for what Paul had preached that day. They, be, they begged him to come back and say, will you come and preach this again next week? So that's where we find him today. Paul is back with Barnabas to preach once again the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in the synagogue. And it tells us that the whole entire city has turned out to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The scripture also tells us this happens to make the Jewish people a bit jealous and begin to contradict what Paul and Barnabas were teaching. They were upset. How, what do you mean? The, the gospel's for us. We're God's chosen people. Now all of a sudden their synagogue is filled with Gentiles as well. In this exchange, we see Paul and Barnabas speak boldly, the scriptures tell us. And begin to rebuke those who are contradicting what they are saying and who are filled with contempt and jealousy. And they tell them that we came to preach to you first, but you rejected Jesus. And so now we have moved 
our attention to the Gentiles. And then Paul quotes from the prophet Isaiah in chapter 49, verse 6. And when he does so, he says, I have made a light for you, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, when the prophet Isaiah is speaking here in 49.6, he doesn't use the word Gentiles. Rather, he uses the word nations. I have made you a light for the nations. And he's speaking about the Messiah, that he wouldn't be reserved only for the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, but that he may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when Paul and Barnabas speak back to the Jews who are contradicting what they're saying, Paul is essentially saying, do you not know your own book? Do you not know your own prophets and what they speak? And upon hearing that salvation was to be brought to the ends of the earth and that the Messiah would bring light to all nations, the Gentiles responded with rejoicing and they glorified the word of God. But it wouldn't be soon before Paul and Barnabas would be run out of town and off they would continue their missionary journey. But there's something also more interesting that happens within this narrative of what's going on with Paul and Barnabas and this church in Antioch and Pisidia. We see in two verses, put up right next to each other, the understanding of human responsibility divine sovereignty. And the way the scripture explains them being people of the book, we dive into it. We dive in to see what the word of God has to say. And so we begin in verse 46. And in verse 46, it says, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Then he says, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. When Paul speaks these words to the Jewish people who are contradicting what he is saying. Contradicting the gospel of Jesus Christ, there must have been a great sadness upon his heart. You people of the Messiah that have been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah, that have the prophecies foretolling of the Messiah, are now rejecting the very Messiah you have waited for. But it gets even harsher than that. He says, and you judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. You judge Yourselves. The epitome of human responsibility laid out for us within Scripture. That did you know a person who rejects Jesus Christ judges themselves? We're not actually waiting for God to come and judge us for our rejection of Jesus, but that upon our rejection, the consequences are just that. What this means is that. A person, by rejecting Jesus Christ, isn't just rejecting Jesus, but is actively choosing hell, according to the word of God. See, 2 Peter 
in the third chapter, it's written that God desires that none will perish, but that all will be called and come to repentance. Jesus says in his own words in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 18, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, whatever we do with Jesus Christ, we pronounce our own sentence. Jesus isn't the one on trial. We know who he is. We know who he said he was, and we know exactly who he is through the testimony of Scripture. So this, in front of the entire city, gathered in the synagogue, Paul and Barnabas lay before the Jewish people. Because you reject, push out, thrust aside the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are judging yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Because we know what Jesus says in the gospel of John in the 14th chapter, verse 6. That none shall come to the Father except through him. This is what scripture teaches us consistently. This is what Jesus teaches us with his own words consistently throughout scripture. And then when he goes on to quote the prophet Isaiah. He points to the very fact. That the Gentiles have been part of God's plan of salvation from the beginning. So they rejoiced. And when they rejoiced, Luke tells us something else. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, divine sovereignty. When we read it, it reads that God chose those people. They were elected. And within two verses of the holy word of God, we get put side by side human responsibility and divine sovereignty. And we're people of the book of the Bible. We have to do something with these scriptures. They lay here before us. And if we are to be people who claim the scripture is our ultimate authority and guide, that it overrides our feelings, our own persuasions, our own thoughts and ideas, then what we have before us in scripture may seem like a contradiction, that they can't both be true, yet scripture continually testifies to it. Even when we go all the way back into the Greek language in which this verse was written, the word appointed comes from the word tasso, to be determined, or to enroll, like to enroll in a list. And as many as were enrolled on the list believed, when referring to the Gentiles here in verse 48. 
And see, you and I, we both know a list so long, it's referred to as a book. For in Revelation 13, 8 and 17, 8, it tells us that your names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. This is what Scripture testifies to. In Jesus' own words, again in the Gospel of John, we read in the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 22, he says the following. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus, in his own words, testifies to both the human responsibility we have and God's sovereignty. He goes so far to say in verse 44 of chapter 6, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last days. So in these verses, in this scripture, here in this synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia, we see that if a person dies without Christ, it is their fault. And if a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, it's all God's fault. And these two truths are proclaimed throughout Scripture and held within, with tension. And we may say they don't go together. Our mind has a hard time wrapping around these, yet the Bible teaches both of these. We can find instances throughout. Paul, when he writes to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, he writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Bible is not in contradiction of itself. Rather, as Paul would write in Romans 11.34, Who are we? Have we counseled the Lord? Charles Spurgeon, the great prince of preachers in London was asked what he does to try and reconcile these two truths proclaimed throughout Scripture. And when he was asked, he said, I wouldn't try, he replied. I never reconcile, friends. Charles Spurgeon didn't believe they needed to be reconciled. He saw the two understandings of human responsibility and divine sovereignty to be friends held together. 
not in opposition to one another, but those holding hands, walking side by side. J.I. Packer, in his book in the 60s of Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, he writes that God orders and controls all things, human actions among them. Yet he holds every man responsible for the choices he makes and the course of action he pursues. To our finite minds, this is inexplicable. And he hit the nail on the head on that one. It's inexplicable. It's hard to comprehend. The search committee, when they hired me, gave me only 15 minutes. I doubt I can fully unpack all of this in 15 minutes. And I got the thumbs up from Don Lynn. These are complex understandings that are brought forth out of Scripture. Ones that we can test up against the rest of Scripture. See, this is why reading your Bible is important. Why studying your Bible is as equally as important. It's why following along when we read and worship together is valuable. Because otherwise, you're just going to take my word for it. And don't you dare do that. Don't ever take my word for it. You have been given the word of God. Be like the Gentiles here in this church. Upon hearing that salvation is brought to you, rejoice and glorify the word of God. And let the word of God spread throughout your land. For this, this is our great call. Amen.